Oh, okay. Uh oh. Jeff says, Jeff, hey, everybody, welcome to Jeff Not Paying Attention. This is uh, Bros, Bibles, and Beer. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Episode 187. Jeff, how we doing? Lost. Scott? I'm less lost than Jeff. Andy? These dragons won't kill themselves. And Chris Rock turned the other cheek. <laughs> is Chris Rock a Christian? It's possible in that moment he was Christ-like. Okay, that is literally the first time you've ever caught me off guard. Yeah. But I think it was in a, that's an illegal start. That's five-yard penalty. <laughs> I had my earphones off pouring a Pliny for Zach and myself. Well, hey, I appreciate what you were doing, and I appreciate the beer that you were pouring in there. Pliny the Elder, that's what I'm drinking. But I heard, to start. I heard important side chatter happening, so I felt like I just had to hit record. Yes. As you do. Yes. And as I'm about to do right now, Pliny the Elder being split between you two gentlemen. Yes. Always a crowd pleaser. And uh, Zach, thank you for bringing the Nectar of the Gods, <laughs> which is the super funkadelic from Dionysus Brewery in my hometown of Bakersfield. This one is double-fruited spicy goza with apricots and jalapenos. What? God bless this <laughs> to my face. Okay, I just want uh, like a, a third ounce sip of- Nah, take You're that not, whole thing. We got more. Take that whole thing. I'm not going to have anything other than this Pliny and the bubbly I have next to me. I don't think you're going to like this. I know you, Jeff. After the play. That's why I just want a small sip. You're, I haven't even touched this. You're plan. not going to. But there's another voice. Oh, wait. Scotty, what are you, what are you drinking? Uh, Alpine Duet. This is my first uh, strong beer in a few weeks. So it's going down pretty good. Ooh, it's nice. Tasty. Okay. Nice. And real quick, I will say I did listen. Our, the last episode that was out was our episode with the wives. Impromptu, unplanned, unrehearsed. And it was fun. It was a it was a better listen than I remembered doing it, partly because we had all gone out together and had a couple pops. Then we start recording unplanned and have a few more pops. By the end of that episode, you could definitely tell that I'll speak for myself. I had a great <laughs> so, buzz going. This is the excuse for why it turned into slurs and yelling. It was, I mean, just a little and slower, laughing. very deliberate speech, you know, trying to maintain everything, <laughs> losing your train of thought a little more than average, uh, but it was fun. My wife said you were laughing uncontrollably. And at, at the beginning, she, she just says it seemed like chaos now that I've listened to oh, it. It was. It was it was controlled chaos. It was beautiful chaos. Loosely controlled beautiful chaos. Beautiful chaos. Speaking of chaos, we have a guest in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue is that. It. Thank you. We have the none other than the one and only Bill Ferris. Bill, thank you for joining us tonight. Bill is the father of Christopher Ferris, amongst other children as well. And Christopher and I played in a band for many years called The Devious Means, and uh, Bill, like his son, is a delight to be around. Award-winning Devious Means. Award-winning. Thank you. Thank you for noticing And filthy rich. I just, we've made so much money from it, (laughs) which is why I just, I don't work anymore. Somebody forgot to pay the, or leave the credit card on Spotify, and so it lapsed, so you can't even hear it on Spotify anymore. Uh, Uh, That got uh, remedied. Yes. We're we're back on the Spotify, so maybe we'll put a link in the show notes and, you know. should. So we can make uh, three three thousandths of a penny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the reason, Bill, uh, I reached out to you, we, we saw some news recently that was related to the Vineyard Church. And, and, 
and you had a response on Facebook that w- that just felt really deep and um, and demonstrated that you you have more history with the vineyard than any of us do, and we thought it would be great to get your perspective. But but before we dive in and chat about that and getting your perspective, tell us a little bit about who you are, what do you do. What are, uh, what's your favorite band other than the Devious Means? Oh, man. <laughs> By oh, the way, and what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. And what are you drinking? I'm drinking Jeremiah Red, uh, which is a BJ's brand, I believe, because it was the darkest thing in the in the selection. I like a darker beer. Oh, man. To bring it all around, all the way around, uh, the Devious Means have played shows with Jeremiah Red. There you go. Nice. But oh. not at BJ's. No. No. Thank goodness. <laughs> After party, I yeah. But <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, Bill. Okay, so um, I am the father of four and the grandfather of five. Wow. Um, uh, Chris, my oldest son, who uh, Andy just mentioned, uh, is the father of triplet triplet girls. So I became a three time grandfather in one <laughs> shot. And then my, my second son, Andrew, who also played for a short while in the Devious Me. That's right. Uh, is the father of two boys. So we are bringing balance back to the force uh, <laughs> nice. in, in this manner. And Which um, one's your favorite grandchild? <laughs> yes, they are. Okay. Yes, they are. Yeah, that chambered. And uh, well done. And so um, so that's, uh, I've been married for over 45 years to my wife, Robin. Nice. Uh, we have always been a, a, a dual career, dual vocational family. She's had a lifetime career in nursing and I in the ministry. And most recently, well, it's kind of a combination of recent and not recent. Over 20 years ago, I finished a degree in pastoral counseling and started doing professional counseling as a sideline while I was planting a church. And, uh, excuse me, and um, today, as we are sitting here today, I've been, I've been doing it full-time now for about 10 years. Um, and... Uh, and my son Chris and I now, as of actually virtually today, we are now sharing office space together. He's a marriage and family therapist. I'm a pastoral counselor, a Christian counselor, and we're sharing office space together that we just took out together in Tustin, Santa Ana area. And so we're pretty excited about that. That's something we thought about doing for many years, and now it's happening. Um, church-wise, um, I was uh, one of those Jesus people that was born again in 1971 as a 15-year-old teenager in Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out <laughs> to Phoenix, Arizona, a good place to be from, I like to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, eventually my, my, my path took me to California, here to Southern California, where I went to school at the uh, the very highly regarded uh, institution of Melody Land School of Theology, which was across the street from the entrance to Disneyland. Uh, Melody Land? Yes. So Melody Land was a theater in the round, a big 3,000-seat theater in the round that was directly across Harbor Boulevard from Disneyland, and a church took it over uh, in the 70s, and uh, it became a very, very large uh, congregation, and they also started a high school and a school of theology and a school of the Bible and uh, had concerts and uh, uh, big events there all year all year round. So in the 70s, it was kind of, along with Calvary Chapel, kind of a hot spot for the growing Christian movement of that time, and it's not there anymore, as you may 
easily know by driving down Harbor Boulevard the the whole areas. Well, what is the na- what is the name again? Melody Land. So it was originally it end- a theater in the round, but it ends with land melody well, land. like disneyland and fantasy that's land. you got okay, it there right. was a city ordinance that was in place <laughs> yeah. when they set it up and right. if you're on harbor boulevard <laughs> mm-hmm. you're so okay. if you land. went to the shell station yeah. it was actually renamed gas land yeah. and, <laughs> you know it's all that, that right? big disney agenda exactly they're taking over <laughs> big so disney. um graduated from there with my degree in theology uh got married um had a lawn service but i eventually went into the ministry and and uh, was a youth pastor for six years. And then I heard, started hearing about this thing called the Vineyard uh, a little bit before 1985. It was pretty new still as far as like getting a lot of a lot of public attention. And the more I heard about it, the more excited I got about the thought of actually moving our my wife and I and my two small children, Chris and Andrew, who were very small at the time, uh, back to Orange County, which I thought I'd never do. And jumping into this vineyard thing, it was just super compelling the more I learned about it. And um, we did that. And my wife got a job working nights at a hospital, and we went to every training center course that the church was offering, every service. We went to uh, with trips with John Wimber to England and uh, all kinds of things like that. And uh, let me pause you real quick there. Yeah, yeah. John Wimber. Uh, John Wimber. Yeah. 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 Who, who is John? Who is John Wimber? Who was John Wimber? Who was John Wimber? The late John Wimber. John Wimber, um, his background uh, was uh, in music. Uh, he was uh, one of the producers of the um, Righteous Brothers and Whoa. other things like that. Uh, he was a professional musician who became a Christian later in life. Um, he and his wife both um, were reached by a man who went door-to-door sharing the gospel in his neighborhood and wound up having Bible studies with John and his wife, Carol, and they wound up becoming Christian believers. And uh, after some background in the Quaker church, which was Yorba Linda, which is where that that happened, and it's a very Quaker-rich area, um, they eventually um, got involved with—he um, he actually got involved with the Fuller Institute of Church Growth um, from Fuller Seminary up in Pasadena— and then eventually he became a, affiliated with the Calvary Chapel movement um, and was involved with the Calvary Chapel movement until Mother's Day of 1980. And that's a whole story unto itself involving a fellow named Lonnie Frisbee and a lot of uh, chaos and excitement and thrill and chill. Wow, Scott is knowingly nodding his head. <laughs> yeah, and, and potentially her, drugs and sex. Yeah. Uh, other potential, allegedly, sorry. Yeah, so just yeah. after all of that excitement... <laughs> Um, a, a, a sort of um, uh, shift happened in which uh, Wimber aligned himself with a fellow named Ken Gullickson, who had started a small church in West L.A. called The Vineyard. And this sort of conjunction created eventually a movement of churches, which now, as we sit here today, uh, is, numbers over 2,000 churches in, I can't remember how many nations, but it's all over the world, about 900 churches in the U.S., um, and, uh, it's no joke. It's no joke. It's a lot. It's not a joke. The number I have is over 2,400. 2,400. In go. the world. In right. the world. And a huge music label. And a huge music label. Vineyard yeah. Music was, you know, the worship leading, um, worship, leader in worship music for a lot of the 70s and 80s and, or 80, I should say 80s and 90s. Yeah. And anyway, all of that to say, um, the, the movement eventually uh, broke away from the Calvary Chapel moorings it had for a while, kind of by mutual concession. There was kind of a parting of the ways. 
Um, and um, But a blessing was given by Chuck Smith to John Wimber and company to kind of do their thing, just don't call it Calvary Chapel, which they agreed to, and that became the movement that I eventually jumped into about 1985 uh, after moving my family back here. With a view, I had the view of planting a church. The Vineyard is a very church planting oriented movement. And I was excited to think of planting a church with the vineyard, which happened 15 years later in 2000. So oh, that's cool. Okay. So in the meantime, I was actually um, not only, I did help another vineyard pastor plant a church here in Orange County, which only lasted a year and a half. And then um, after another year back at the Anaheim Vineyard um, in 1990, I joined the staff of the Newport Vineyard for 10 years where I was an assistant pastor on the staff of about a thousand member church there uh, um, in the Newport Beach Costa Mesa area. And what what was originally when you before you moved your family back? You said that you and your wife be, became aware that this this new church, this move, this new movement was happening. Talk a little bit about what it was that yeah that really influenced you or or caught your attention so much that it would have you move your family back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was ever coming back to Orange County. Uh, <laughs> we liked our life in Simi Valley, and I, I we loved our church, uh, and we loved the ministry we were doing there. But um, our pastor uh, was very um, kind of philosophically, spiritually aligned with Jack Hayford and the church on the way back in those days. This is back in the 70s and 80s. And um, we went to a church on the way pastor's conference where— Jack taught on the theology of the kingdom of God, which is a theology rooted in the um, in the uh, writing and teaching of, well, of course, I can't remember his name right now, but it'll occur to me in a minute. Yeah, um, It's a unique perspective, a really wonderful perspective on um, how, what signs and wonders and God's power has to do with the inbreaking of his kingdom in the present day with a view a, a view forward to the future fulfillment of the kingdom coming so and the is, return of Christ. Is there a lot of um, like um, gifts of the spirit? Is it kind of yeah. charismatic? Yes. And now here's the important thing to realize about the vineyard as opposed to either traditional classic Pentecostal churches or traditional classic evangelical churches. Um, the uh, the quick name for what the position the vineyard was trying to take was the radical middle, meaning we wanted the best of evangelical theology, kind of the orthodoxy of evangelicalism, and we wanted the power of the Holy Spirit as evidenced in the Pentecostal movements uh, starting in 1904 and continuing through most of the last century, um, which eventually kind of, of course, spilled over into many other denominations and became what we call the charismatic movement. But um, but we uh, our distinctive was we see gifts of the spirit and works of the spirit not only so much as a matter of your personal gifting, which is more of a Pentecostal view of do you have these gifts of healing? Do you have these gifts of you know um, uh, of the word of of prophecy or the word of knowledge? Are these your right. gifts? And you know are they they're very aligned with the individual? Did God give you those gifts? more to the idea of those gifts and all the gifts of the Spirit, all the works of the Spirit are actually in the Holy Spirit himself, and he he can manifest those through anybody, anywhere, mm. at any time for the purpose of giving a taste of the coming kingdom, a taste of the future, when there will be no sickness, there will be no you know uh, uh, 
the things that characterize the present age. So we're sort of touched with a little down payment, a, mm-hmm. a little taste of the future kingdom when Christ returns in the works of the Spirit today. So you don't need to have a second blessing, the Pentecostal idea. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as a second oh, experience right. to get the blessing of the Spirit. The, 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 uh, the classically evangelical idea of you receive the Holy Spirit when you are a born-again Christian, the Spirit comes to live in your life. We in the vineyard embrace that and say, yes, the Spirit is in you now. Just let Him out of you. Let Him let Him do His thing through you. You don't. You're not so much needing to get a second blessing as just uh, start to work with what God's already given you and see it not as a matter of your personal gifting so much as your availability to be used, mm. whoever you are. Okay, so you you see this as I like that description, the radical middle. Mm-hmm. And that seems uh, radically attractive to you and to the and to Robin. Yeah. So when I found out that the Vineyard's theology of the kingdom and the work of the Spirit was the same thing that Jack Hayford had taught a few years before at this pastors conference I went to with my church at mm. the time, I went, "Oh my gosh! If they're doing that, I want to be around that because that that yeah. teaching uh, really cemented so many things in my Christian experience. I'd always believed and had been around as even as a Jesus people guy around powerful works of the spirit, but it was really more kind of a, a kind of a theological mess in my mind as to how it all worked. And I went to a charismatic school of theology that attracted people from all kinds of backgrounds and saw lots of wonderful works of the spirit in that setting. But I never had a theology that gave me the clarity and kind of the mm. excitement and the kind of the everydayness. We, we we use a phrase in the vineyard, supernaturally natural. So we try to divorce a lot of the works of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit from all the hypey, um, you know, like uh, sort of um, fanatical excitement and try to, try to really, uh, one of our phrases is, you know, dial down. Yeah. Dial down and listen to the spirit and do what the spirit is saying. Don't you don't have to get into a froth for that to happen. Just really dial down and dial into the work of the spirit, and uh, and so that that just creates a different culture. Mm-hmm. Creates so a that, different. That's kind of the approach. gravitational force. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the gravitational force for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And was there a, a kind of a rich community in? Amazing days, those early days. People literally lined up outside the Anaheim wow. Vineyard, which was the the mothership. There was a few other vineyards, but the Anaheim Vineyard was by far and away the largest and most influential vineyard. It was the church John Wimber himself was the pastor of, so it was sort of the mothership church, mm. and where he was still actively teaching and holding conferences. Literally on a Sunday service, I'll tell you a little story. People would, would line up outside the door waiting for the doors to open so that they could get a good seat you know, like how does that? How often does that happen in church where people are lined up for a half an hour before the church opens its doors so they can get just in? Hillsong, New York? Well, maybe. Okay, <laughs> we're usually so, a half hour late. Look, man, even if it's in L.A. and you're going to a John Mayer show, oh, and people are showing up thirty minutes there you go. Oh, yeah. halfway through to the set. So the first night we went to an actual worship service at the Vineyard, which at that time was on Cerrito Street near Disneyland, uh, before it moved to its present location. Um, we. Uh, we lined up like everybody else. We got a good seat, you know. Um, and at the end of the teaching and worship, you know, that that is characteristic of most worship services, there was a time when John just kind of would open the floor and kind of see, well, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to do here tonight amongst the crowd. So we're, everybody's just sort of in a 
excuse me, a waiting sort of a phase. And uh, eventually somebody pops up their hand and goes, um, and this is about like maybe 1,500 people in this room. Somebody pops up their hand and goes, um, I feel like God is wanting to heal somebody tonight of a lung condition. Okay, John says, let's just wait on that and then let's see if there's anything else that comes along that helps us understand better. Da-da-da-da-da, some other stuff. And then a minute or two later, somebody, you know that 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 lung condition thing? Um, I think it's a guy. I think it's a man. Uh, it's, a, it's a man in the room here who is uh, getting that healing. And um, a third person finally says, another minute or two later, I think it's actually uh, uh, that, that guy with the lung thing. I think it's emphysema. Um, and then John just like stops, and, like almost like he'd been hit by a tiny bolt of thunder, just kind of just stops and gets this kind of focus in his eyes and goes, how about this? Uh, you're a man, you have emphysema, God is healing you tonight, and your name is Roy. And this hand goes up about six people down from where my wife and I are sitting. And John goes, is that you, sir? And he's going, nodding his head, yes. And you have emphysema? Yes. And you feel like God might be healing you tonight? Mm-hmm. And your name, and we saw him mouth his name, Roy. Wow. Now that'll get your attention. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first one of the first nights we attended a vineyard. And we were like, okay, is that that's how it rolls? That's kind of interesting. Um, and the community around that time was very strong. Small groups called kinship groups were a very big part of church life. You all, everybody went to a small mm. group. And uh, they had a training center class where you could learn how to lead worship or how to plant churches or how to do a lot of the healing kinds of models that had, were coming out of the healing prayer models that were coming out of the life of the church at the time. And then a couple of times a year, there were big conventions. Um, and then there were also trips abroad where you could join a team of people going to support John Wimber or some of the other teaching pastors in their ministry in here, near and far. So we were involved in all of that. We jumped in with both feet. Mm. Um, I was a I was a Mister Mom to my two young sons. Mm. My wife was working nights at a hospital and labor and delivery, and we were just all about it. And uh, from there, and I'll kind of skip a lot of story here to say we eventually um, helped a fellow, a very uh, prominent fellow at the time, plant a church that died a sad death a year and a half afterwards. And out of that, we went back to Anaheim for about a year and then uh, spent the next 10 years at the Newport Vineyard, literally throughout the 90s, where I was an assistant pastor. And that's where I fell in love with counseling. I loved being a counseling mm. pastor on that staff. And I went to school, got my graduate degree, and and uh, got further trained in how to do you know serious counseling. And then in 2000, we planted a vineyard church in Rancho Santa Margarita, um, and uh, it ran as a traditional small vineyard church for about eight years. And then we, or about, yeah, about eight years. And then we, about half of us deconstructed it and turned it into a vineyard house church. Don't get excited, Zach. Not that kind of deconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> and we, uh, we, we actually had one of the very few vineyard house churches. We were officially sort of sanctioned and, and okayed to be a house church. And we, 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 we had church in a home for 10 years kind of waited on that neighborhood like um, like really sanctioned at, like like literally recognized as a vineyard official vineyard house church oh yeah. that's cool so they made they, they made it a thing was that common no no it's still not common wow okay yeah. 
we were we were rebels, Andy. Yeah, we, we trailblazers. We were trailblazers. <laughs> uh, but and, we loved it. It was ten, probably the ten best years of church ministry in my life. Oh, that's yeah. great. What what uh, without without going too deeply into it, what kind of went into the decision of moving from kind of a traditional setting to the home church? Well, two things. Um, one is that we had successfully planted a small vineyard church in a p- part of the county where it should have grown, but we were five miles away from Saddleback Church, which was p- part of the issue. Yeah. Uh, and also, it was getting more and more yeah, crazy expensive to do church, yep. to have to rent building space, to run a church operation in that part of the county, and it was just getting silly. Uh, mm. And so, it made me start to think... Um, uh, about the, the sustainability of that. And then the other thing was an invitation, I feel, from the Holy Spirit at that time, asking me, hey, Bill, what would you do if you didn't do what you've always done? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, in ministry. And I instantly, in my spirit, it was like, I want to do a house church. Because in my earliest Christian formation as a Jesus people guy, yeah. before we had ever joined a church, we were meeting in houses and homes and uh, and I loved that time. I loved what that brought out in the discipleship of the, and the participation level of people and so forth. And so I thought, hmm. is there a way to do that as a vineyard? That's what I would love to do. And I felt like I, I was given the green light to go ahead and see if that could indeed happen. And it did. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Wow. Now, um, bef- I guess at some point we got to jump into the, the story. But real quick, though, going way back, you're... Did you just, did you grow up Christian, going to church? Like, you're kind of always in it? I grew up Catholic. Okay. Um, so, we are of Lebanese descent, and most Lebanese are either uh, Maronite Christian or, in, in America, Catholics, uh, or they're Muslim. And so, uh, I came from the stock that was you know, Catholic. Okay. Um, and my mother was uh, half Lebanese. Uh, she was raised as a Methodist, but my father was uh, full Lebanese and was Catholic. We were all raised in the church, and we all left the Catholic Church at some point because we found it, and me and my siblings, we eventually found it to be a, not a, really a relate, relative to the life we were living. In the music of those days, as you're well aware from the 60s, there was a lot of spiritual searching and a lot of inter- yeah. in, interest in Eastern religion and in, 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 and in kind of more of a universal spirituality, and that was very attractive to me. As a kid at 13 years old, I'm reading... Um, Siddhartha by Herman Hesse and trying to understand, yeah. you know, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the music was very influential on my spirituality at the time that I left the Catholic Church and before I became a uh, believer. Okay, and, what were you listening to? A lot of Moody Blues. Okay. Um, nice. Of course, the Beatles had plenty to talk about in that, and also their time with the Maharishi. Um, gosh, there were so many people that were really speaking from that place as spiritual searchers and um, with with that kind of opening up that conversation much wider than we had ever opened it up in our Catholic upbringing. So okay. um, I believed in Christ. I believed in uh, a lot of the things I was told. I just didn't see any practical application to mm. my life as a teenager growing up in Arizona until I met my first Jesus people guy. He was four years older than me. He had hair about down to the middle of his chest and a big beard, and he taught the Bible. And I just didn't even know that was okay. I just didn't, <laughs> had never seen that before. And he was also a musician. I was a drummer at the time. And I was, you know, I was jamming with bands. And this guy came, pulled up in a van 
uh, Volkswagen van with a painting of Jesus on the back with his pal who was a guitar player. And these two guys came out and just jammed with us. And I was like, who are these guys? What's this Jesus <laughs> on the back of the... Like I just, it was all new to me. And within a few months, I was going to his Bible study and fascinated, just excited to learn about Jesus. I just had never seen the Christian life modeled by someone from my generation like that. Feels like I'm in a Christian episode of Scooby-Doo. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and, and so that was my, I mean, I've never looked back. I mean, that was, yeah. that was over 50 years ago and I've, I've never not wanted to follow Jesus. Cool. All right. Nice. Jeff, you look like you're about to say something. No, I was, I was going to ask, so you the so the vineyard has twenty four hundred mm-hmm. churches in the around the world. Yeah. And before we started recording, you mentioned that there's approximately nine hundred in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, are they all on their own? Are they functioning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Independently. Yes and no. Okay. They. Uh, they, there is an association of vineyard churches, the AVC, and there's one in the U.S., and there's other associations of vineyard churches. There's a U.K. association of vineyard churches. There's a New Zealand-Australia association. But in, in, in various parts of the world, there are sort of globally localized associations of vineyard churches. Of course, the one in the U.S. is the first one and kind of the one that we're going to be talking about more in relationship to things contemporary. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so the ABC is has does not have direct, uh, shall we say, um, the ABC is there to be more of a supportive organization and to provide national conferences, um, mission opportunities, um, justice opportunities, excuse me, and other kinds of opportunities for, excuse me, support, accountability, fellowship, and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but each individual vineyard church has its own board, its own, um, you know, kind of operational right. um, bylaws and so forth. And then they're allowed, you know, they're, they, they, they can either be planted by, uh, they, from their planting, they can be a part of the AVC or they can join the AVC at some point if they're coming from outside that stream. And there's certain things that they have to agree to. Um, to be a part of the ABC. And Vineyard is a copyrighted name, so you're not allowed to call yourself a Vineyard Church Mm. if you're not a part of the ABC. So it's It's kind of the CrossFit of Christianity. (laughs) It is. It is, in more ways than one. It's like 2,400 independent contractors that call themselves, you know, CrossFit, whatever. Yeah. And, but they, there are some, you know, um, Teachings or, or like belief in a belief, yeah. Or something. yeah, yeah. There's there is some orthodoxy okay. <laughs> in there somewhere, and as far as that, as far as theology and practice and values, you know. Sure. But operationally, each church has its own okay. sort of setup. That's kind of standard denomination sort of stuff. I think so. They don't sound like they're they're too uh, revolutionary in that aspect. No, and it kind of so, creeped into that because, you know, everything starts real loosey-goosey yeah. and then over time as problems develop and things happen. And the bigger you get, you too. The bigger you just, get, yeah, the, yeah. The, you find out you've got to solve certain things by sort of, and and empower certain things by getting together a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. structurally. Right. It seems unavoidable. Yeah. So the vineyard is pretty, is on the charismatic end of things, uh, generally. Mm-hmm. If I'm If I'm starting a, a church that I want to be included in the vineyard and mm-hmm. I like a lot of things, but I'm not, I'm not going to emphasize so much mm-hmm. the doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is would that be a problem? Well, are you willing to uh, sing "Open the Eyes of My Heart"? If you're not, that's a deal breaker, buddy. Sorry, no, I'm a literalist, so you gotta sing bring the weird images. You gotta sing the chorus fifty times. You have to sing the chorus, service. yeah, 50 times. over and over. I over would over. sing "Of Your Love Forever." Okay, <laughs> so so uh, well, let's see. Hear it. Uh, so the answer to that is, um, I mean, could you? I don't know. Would you want to? Would you want to? Would you feel question, comfortable? Yeah. No. And the and reason is one of the great stories of the vineyards kind of founding in terms of its values comes from uh, an experience John Wimber had as a new Christian in the Quaker Church, where he had been reading in the Bible and studying in the Bible about the the especially in the Gospels about the miraculous works of Jesus, and he just assumed that when you went to church, that's what you were going to run into. Mm, yeah. And so he said, I, it took me a long time to figure out that at church. He, he, he started asking his pastor the question, well, when do we do the stuff? They said, what stuff? You know, the stuff in the Bible, like in the Gospels, like when do we do that stuff? And they're like, oh, well, we don't do that stuff. We talk about that stuff, but we don't actually do it. So one of the kind of the vineyard catchphrases became doing the stuff. You want to do the stuff you see in the scripture. And John Wimber's very, his, his great influence was he was very self-deprecating, um, would talk a lot about trying to pray for the sick and he would get sick and they would not get any better. And, and like all of these failures and all of these shortcomings, you know, like his, 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 he makes it very much more like, you're not the point of the story. Yeah. Yes. Jesus and, 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 and his works are the point of the story and the betterment of other people. So, right. so yeah, it, you would want to be a stuff doer. That's a Got co- it. It's I've, I've really enjoyed being able to get some of the background because I, I wasn't familiar with, that that level of detail in the history of the vineyard church. And so it's really cool to be able to help understand that before we kind of move into the other part of the the discussion, uh, just to have that foundationally. Well, let me say, if you're, if you're really a nerd and you want to get into a, a really good discussion, a fellow wrote a, um, this is some years ago now, but it's a really good portrayal of the, of the whole story, mm. uh, called quest for the radical middle. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and that that book is it's a little bit of a um, a little bit of an outline as well as a readable book. It's kind of a it's kind of semi nerdy, but it's really fascinating mm. when you see how he brings together all these different you know streams into this this thing yeah. that became the vineyard. So that's a little plug for that. Cool. Okay. And now Texas secedes from the United States. <laughs> that's where we're going. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, yeah. So, so like I mentioned at the beginning, the reason I, I reached out to you, Bill, was because right around the same time that I saw this article mm-hmm. that had mentioned that the Anaheim Vineyard Church was dissociating from mm-hmm. the denomination, and I spent some time reading about that because it's close, and um, and and I had some familiarity with it. Uh, you, you put together a very thoughtful post and shared a lot of the the deep background and detail that you have mm-hmm. with with the um, Vineyard Church. Um, and thankfully, you've been able to even break that out more for us uh, on the episode so far. But uh, but I think what we're interested in is to kind of continue that, that part of the conversation and understand, because to a certain degree, I think a lot of us feel like we're outsiders mm-hmm. in some ways of watching and seeing a church that's going through this this process mm-hmm. and for three of us at least who go to the same church mm-hmm. the just the concept of transition is very uh it's near and dear to us right now as as our lead pastor is getting mm-hmm. ready to conclu- conclude 
20 years at Mountain View Church, um, which has been wonderful and awesome. And so that idea of, of transition and that theme feels connected in some ways. And yes. I think I'd even remembered in your post, you'd mentioned that you've, mm-hmm. you've pastored through transition. So uh, consider this a little bit of like an alley-oop, so okay. to speak, to throw <laughs> yeah. it to you. Can and I just read a, a small quote? Oh, yeah. Just to kind of yeah. give it a quick breakdown for the listener. Perfect. And then you can run from uh, run from that, well, Bill. Run away, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I will throw this out. You could sprint out the door. So uh. we, we're kind of not... I mean, people could be listening to this and not even know... That's why I'm going to read this. Is yeah. this, yeah. this is stating... There it is. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought it was... Yeah, the flagship congregation of the charismatic vineyard movement with over 2,400 churches worldwide has announced its plans to split from Vineyard USA in a move vineyard leaders are calling an extreme betrayal. Vineyard Anaheim pastor Alan Scott announced in a statement on March 20th, 2022, that the church board had decided to disaffiliate from Vineyard USA Quote, we love the vineyard movement, and although our association has ended, our affection remains undiminished, unquote. Or uh, it goes on, he goes on to say, we did not take this decision to withdraw from the association of vineyard churches quickly or lightly, but reverently in the fear of the Lord. Mm. Um, mm. Late vineyard leader John Wimber founded the Charismatic Church in 1977. He then led the movement from Vineyard Anaheim beginning in 1982 until his death in 1997. With multiple debt-free buildings on 5.7 acres in Orange County, Vineyard Anaheim is estimated to be worth tens of millions. The Mother Church of Vineyard offered no reasons for departure beyond, quote, a desire to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes. End quote. Yes. All right, what do we do with this? Well, (laughs) when I first kind of started running into this, you know, report about what was going on, and the language around it, especially kind of from from that side of the uh, of the table, uh, the first thing I thought of is, is this sounds like one of those celebrity divorces, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, you know Bob and and Sue are getting a divorce, and you know they just request that everybody just you know be cool and don't ask them any hard questions, <laughs> and we're still really great friends, and we yeah. love love our children, and. You know, la la la. We're consciously like, uncoupling. Sounds like Kim and Kanye. Yeah, I was going to say Kim and Kanye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kim and Kanye. That seems more timely. Yeah. And that went pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I kind of ran into that feeling of okay, there's a lot that's being, there's a little that's being said and a lot that's not being said. Yeah. And uh, so look at you know, change happens, transition happens. I, I was I was telling somebody the other day in my 50 plus years as a serious Christian, I've I've have I've had two constants in my life. One is the love of God, and the other is church drama. And taxes. Yeah, not even taxes. Just church drama <laughs> and God. That's it. Yeah, that, uh, and that, that was like, you don't have to answer this because it, it's a can of worms, but one of my questions that I wanted to do, do was like, you've been in ministry for mm-hmm. so long, how are you still in ministry? Because there's yeah. I've been involved in church mm-hmm. you know, for my own chunk of uh, whatever my life is, and mm-hmm. then, and I've, I've seen enough from mm-hmm. a young age up to here where it's mm-hmm. like, how do people stay in this? Yeah. Well, it's it's simple for me. Um, the best people I've ever met in my life, the people I most want to be like, the people that have taught me the best things I know about living, about being a, a husband, a dad, uh, a, a man of integrity, uh, the, the most inspiring people are Christians, many of them church leaders. 
uh, over these last 50 years. And the people that have disappointed me the worst, have broken my heart the most, that have freaked me out the most, that have, you know, turned me into a pretzel the most are also Christians yeah, yeah. and Christian leaders. <laughs> yeah. So both are equally true. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's the human condition. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a well-rounded approach to... I understand the impulse if you get burnt by somebody mm-hmm. involved with a church, especially if they're in a position of ex- mm-hmm. of real power, uh, to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. But if you've got, you can separate that and realize that's not that's not God, that's not the greater church. You know, that's one person with their own human. Well, I heard that you you guys were starting the perfect church next week, uh, next Sunday. Is that true? Uh, well, let's see. When is Todd's last? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't know about this yet. It can't start. One door closes, another opens. <laughs> is it next week? Uh, Easter, Easter Sunday. Oh, yes, Sunday. Scott, oh, you're... Two weeks. So maybe I'm allowed. You're invited. I, I, can, I can go then if Todd's, if Todd's not going to be there anymore. I can, yeah, I can but it's kind of like me with the Vineyard Church. Why would you want to, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know in this day and age something like this this news especially in christianity especially a big church it people go after what you know it's like an insatiable mm. like where's just, the dirt yeah they just like where's the ugliness this is about money and power mm. and you know these christians they're hypocrites mm-hmm. and um and it's like, yeah, you can uh, throw you can throw uh, throw dirt on people, throw mud on people, and sling it. But I mean, we didn't want we don't want this to be about um, what do we think's happening. It's like, what's mm. the response? Yeah, what do we know? Mm. Do you know anything about why the why? Yeah, so I mean, there's been a number of things published, not hard to find if you do a little digging uh, from from both the Association of Vineyard Churches and the Anaheim Vineyard, some back and forth. But let me just touch a couple points that'll be good backdrop. Um, in the Association of Vineyard Churches, there is a national director, and that changes out about every 10 years. And so the fellow that just came to that position as the new newest national director has only been in that position for a short time. His name is Jay Pathak. He's a pastor uh, up in the Colorado, uh, Denver, Colorado area. And uh, he's he, only been there a couple months. Yes, just right. a very short time. Yeah. I mean, he's been, they've been prepping sure. this for over, but as far but as officially. being officially installed, yeah. And Jay is uh, the youngest national director we've had in a long time. Um, he um, is a very sharp guy, a very seasoned pastor, very good leader. Um, so there was a lot of excitement about this this new national yeah. director and the, the prospect of what he might kind of bring to the table. And the last guy we had was great, uh, but he was an older fellow and just kind of brought his own flavor to things. And this was kind of a new transition. Here we go. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, four years ago, um, the uh, Catherine and Alan Scott came to the Anaheim Vineyard after a pastoral search was done. The previous pastor had been there, like Todd, 20 years. Wow. Uh, and um, he was basically invited there by John Wimber. Um, uh, well, I should say that. I should say that he was, he was directly trained and discipled by John Wimber back mm-hmm. in the old days, went back east, planted a bunch of churches, came back to to pastor the Anaheim Vineyard at the request of the vineyard after John died. Um, and so after 20 years of, his name is Lance, after Lance's 20 years at the vineyard, he was 
Um, stepping out of that position, a pastoral search team was assembled. There were three candidates to be the successor pastor eventually, and the one that was chosen was Alan Scott and his wife, Catherine, well-known to Vineyard people because Catherine is a wonderful worship uh, songwriter, and her song, um, Hungry, is a very famous worship song. And and uh, But they had come from uh, the, from the UK. Uh, so they'd had very you know very good years of ministry in the UK and were brought and came over to at the invitation of the uh, uh, of the of the Anaheim Vineyard Church board at that time as constituted at that time to be the successor pastors. So four years ago that happens. Uh, the church starts to respond very well to their leadership. They have a great citywide vision. They're very hands-on active caring people, evangelistic, dynamic, obviously a lot of uh, you know emphasis too. The, the, the worship that they brought in was beautiful and wonderful. So a lot of excitement around this. Uh, the congregation starts to grow rapidly again after some time of, of uh, diminishment. And there's a lot of excitement, so much so that Jay Pathak, the new national director, invites Alan and Catherine to a dinner meal to talk about, hey, we love what's going on at the Anaheim Church. Maybe we could kind of pull you into the national level a little bit more and let some of that influence kind of spill over on a national level. And there was sort of an awkward response of, it, I'm making a long story short, of, uh, well, actually, we're leaving. Oh. You're what? Like this record was, scratch. Which was yeah. news to you. Yeah. <laughs> <Record> right. <scratch. laughs> yeah. And so this was not known at all to Jay because he was inviting them to actually kind of go bigger, if you yeah. will. And so this was this brought up an, an instant like, well, why? What's going on? Like, what? Like, tell me more. And very little was told. But in the meantime, the Anaheim Vineyard Board had been, uh, the, well, the pastoral staff had been entirely replaced virtually um, in the four years, which is pretty normal when a when a new pastor yeah. comes into a church. They often sort of pick their own people to take the administrative and other staff roles. And so that had already is, happened. Is that? Something that is a net, I guess it's going to depend on circumstance, but generally as a policy, a pastor coming in and just basically asking all the board to leave and then putting in a new one, is that yeah. a good idea generally? Well, so so let's talk about staff and board. So staff, yes, that's pretty common that the pastor will appoint his or her own staff members to accompany them in their new ministry. That that usually takes them time and, and, and sort of gets dialed in over right. time. Some people may wind up staying, and some people may go. But in this case, the whole the whole crowd was pretty much replaced. Um, fine, um, but the board is unusual because mm. usually the board is um, over the pastor, yeah, mm-hmm. and and the pastor serves at the behest of the board. Somehow or another, and I don't know how the bylaws how this all worked, but somehow or another, the board at the Anaheim Vineyard was really changed out quite a bit. And including three new board members that weren't even in vineyards, um, and so um, one that, of one of which has rare? since resigned. That's pretty rare. I mean, you might get one person to kind of bring an outside perspective. I, mm-hmm. I did that for a while when I had our little church board. I had an outsider to just kind of give us. I had a lot of history with. He knew me, mm. knew my you know my kind of ministry. And, but to have three was un- That's unusual. Yeah. And there's a. It seems like there's a lot of nepotism too. Like, which I don't know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I just, well, I just, I have, I didn't realize this, Jeremy Riddle, who's mm-hmm. yep. pretty well known mm-hmm. in the worship uh, circles, worship circles from Bethel, Jeremy and his wife, Katie are, are on the board 
and uh, mm-hmm. banning Liebster, Lieb, Liebscher, founder and pastor of Jesus Culture in Sacramento, and Julian Adams, pastor at the Table Church in Boston, are on the yeah. There was a third guy, well. Peter Gregg. I think his name is Peter Gregg, and he he's has a leads a movement called Twenty Four Seven Prayer. He's since resigned. So oh, I remember in, him in a recent Author. in a recent yes in a recent letter that he's just published, as you can find. He explains that he was not informed at the time that he accepted the invitation to be on the board that the church was planning to leave the movement. Oh wow! So, so it's, it's the happened. plot thickens. It's been yeah. happening. It's pretty quickly then, mm-hmm. or at least yes. from what we can tell. From what we can, what I'm we sure can tell. in their in their hearts or in private conversations, it's mm-hmm. they're not. It's not a snap move. It's probably been formulated for a little while. Yeah, but the congregation didn't seem to know about it either, which was interesting. Um, and why I say that is because once the cat was out of the bag with the national director, um, a, a very awkward conversation began in which all of a sudden the a, the Anaheim Vineyard people said, well, we've got to now kind of like get the word out to the congregation that this is happening because, you know, here we go. And so they made it sort of an awkward announcement, which they sort of pulled back and then sort of didn't pull back. So there was a lot of sort of mixed messaging about this. And meanwhile, the word, you know, eventually did spill out into the general public and, and people started having very strong feelings about this. Why? Churches have left the vineyard before prominent churches have left the vineyard. One, one, you know, the, the, the so-called Toronto blessing, uh, movement of the nineties, which was started in a vineyard, uh, actually after a serious attempt by John Wimber to sort of see if he could sort of pastor that whole movement he decided it wasn't really a good fit for the vineyard. And by mutual agreement, they left the vineyard and continued. So this was like the idea of there being church breakouts is not like crazy or new or anything like that. It's the manner. It's the, can I say it just straight up, the uh, the blatant disrespect. Like Mm. you wouldn't do that to anybody you liked. Mm. You wouldn't do it to anybody you had a fond affection for, as the letter says. You wouldn't, it's bad form. Yeah. It's bad form. It's just an unkind, unloving, messy, weird way to obey the Holy Spirit. Bunny ears being invoked. Bunny ears being invoked. And this is kind of the backside of the charismatic, Mm. you know, the experience, which is, as as spirit-filled people, we believe God speaks to people. Mm. We believe God speaks to leaders. We believe God inspires movements and 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 even, you know, branches of movements and all kinds of things. Like that's not offensive. What's offensive is if I hear God, that's all we need to be talking about. Right. Uh I heard yeah. God and the rest of it is academic because I'm and so there's this idea, I think, of spiritual authority where yeah. We have to start to break out what does it mean to belong to a family of churches, an association of churches, in terms of the spiritual authority, what is owed, what is kind of the decent amount of communication, respect, even discernment. So as a as a pastor for many, many years, I had people leave my church from time to time, some of them with little to no warning. Maybe an email would come two weeks later. Oh yeah, we've left, you know, whatever. It always hurt. Yeah. Not because I didn't like them or I didn't want them to go, but because, hey, I'm your pastor. Let me help you make this decision. Let me walk with yeah. you. Let me co-discern this with you. Let me 
support you. Let me, so like in good situations, when we had somebody leave our church, we would send them with a, a written letter of transfer saying, you know, Andy McGraw and his family have been a, uh, a, a questionable val- at best. Questionable at best. Uh, <laughs> Glad the, you said it. The, <laughs> the, the, the beer tailgate parties before service were a little okay, but hey, you know. You do community your way. Yeah, Make yeah, right. Uh, no, no, we, we, and we would the send them, and, and, and we would send them with kind of our imprimatur of blessing and, hey, get to know these guys. Yeah. We, they're, 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 we like to say this if you leave under a blessing, you can always return under a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, but well, if don't bri- 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 burn bridges, don't break up over text, and maybe that's the most. There it is. That's mm-hmm. the like the the most. Uh, that's a good way to say it. Timely analogy for us to be able to use, and and in the the few articles I've read, three or four articles on this, and they and I I do feel like I'm getting one side of the store mm-hmm. primarily correct, and I'm looking for the other side, and I'm struggling to find mm-hmm. the other side, mm-hmm. and it. And which is why I pulled out that analogy of like, it doesn't feel like it's being presented. Now, uh, churches are not, uh, well, they're maybe notorious for being terrible communicators and delivering news poorly and just fumbling and stumbling over themselves. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't fault them on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Being someone who's an overseer at our church now, Jeff is a former overseer. Zach is married to an overseer. Like we, we know, we know how tricky these things can be. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, the point that you're making, I think is, is, is an important one, which is, um, at, at least you could have the conversation. Yes. And if you're going to leave the marriage and you're going to take the baby with you, um, we probably should talk about that. Right, and that's the other factor here is that this is right. basically the 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 mother church, if you will, the church that used to house national conventions, that used to train church planners and worship leaders from all over the world, like a place that is just not an average. It doesn't have an average level of meaning to vineyard people. Mm-hmm. It has it, it has so much going, and then it's it's really worth tens of millions of dollars, by the way. Yeah, uh, and so the problem here is 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 sort of like this gumption that says not only are we going to sort of t- obey the Holy Spirit to make this move, but we're going to we're going to sort of take this sort of mm. jewel of the crown with us um, in a way that is not really processed with the ostensibly the spiritual authority, if you will, over us or uh, let alone the congregation, let alone the congregation. So it's, it's, it seems like Hmm. the question that comes up around that is why, why do you, why do you feel you have to obey the Holy spirit in this very offensive um, and confusing and strange manner when you've been there for four years and replaced the board and it just doesn't, you know, it it just doesn't have that feel of integrity yeah. and 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 well thought through. And it, it builds doubt and and like the unknown aspect, the vagary. And when you use, so I got a huge pet peeve when uh, Christianese is thrown mm-hmm. about willy nilly. I mm-hmm. I Christianese in general bugs me, but recognizing as a person of faith, mm-hmm. there are some aspects of faith that you can only describe things using 
things that would be deemed as Christianese. Well, I'm offended by the phrase willy-nilly. Yeah. <laughs> My name is William, so... Yeah, that's uh, a good yeah. point. That's stop right. A, stop oppressing so, Okay, so using Derogatory. phrases... Billy-nilly. <laughs> um, uh, but another quote was like, a desire, a desire to say yes to the Holy Spirit was behind it. And reverently, they didn't make this decision according to them, quickly or lightly, but reverently in the fear of the Lord. And they don't say the reasons. It's like instantly, Mm -hmm. you can't argue with the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. Mm -mm. And especially if they don't give you a reason, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay. And Mm -hmm. so much of the abuse in churches is done taking God's name in vain in that way, where they they hide behind, like, God told me to do this. And I'm not not saying, I'm not applying the word cult to this group or this church, but that, that that's how cults survive. That closed that closed loop. Yeah, is exactly what makes a cult a cult. Is yeah. that mm. you stop inviting input from outside the closed loop of the of the cult leadership, and pretty much people then are put in a position of either being in with the Holy Spirit right. or in with the, yeah. the leadership or on the outside rebelliously. Coming against, yeah. Who are you to go against God? And and it and it yeah. turns black and white really fast on people. And so yeah. a lot of people who are scared of that just stay in a cultic group right. or any yeah. kind of a closed system like that. And then those that go out often mm. go out very shunned or confused or whatever. Mm. And and it's yeah. why like like spiritual abuse is so devastating when it happens is because you're you're abusing people in God's name. And, and it's like, mm-hmm. you, how do you unpack? How do you untangle that? How do you untangle that? It's very difficult. Well, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not as obvious as, a, as like an abuse situation, but it, if, if I can permit us to take a, like a quick little side route, and I, I think we'll, we'll reconnect to the oh, main, to for the main sure, road. Real quick, I want to be clear. I'm not alleging abuse of any sort. No, I don't, no. I don't know. I'm no. just saying like bad Using these vague uh, Christianese mm-hmm. terms is well. That's the th- yeah. That's the point that I'm trying to get to, which is we should talk a little bit about how how do how do and should Christians mm. and Christian organizations resolve mm. these conflicts of well, the Holy Spirit told me this, mm-hmm. didn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I've on. On the board I'm on now, we have had that very specifically. I where, love that, Andy. Where we had one person going like, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this, and the rest of us going, no, none of us get that. Maybe we should all pray about it right now and see if uh, it happens for us. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that in Acts 13, where um, the Paul and Barnabas were set apart, it says very specifically, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have called them. And you you get that very direct you know, kind of voice of the spirit missionizing mm. of a of, of a team and of a of mm. a mission. But then there's other passages where it ta- where it talks about it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's yeah. actually right out of the Bible, which says that you know in in Thessalonians for Thessalonians four, Paul says, "Don't despise prophesying." In other words, words from the Lord. Don't despise that. Don't like shut down that whole idea. Rather, prove everything and hold fast the good. So we're not told to be puppets mm-hmm. who are to to divorce the voice of the Holy Spirit from our capacity to be in community together 
and to uphold a proposed prophecy or word from the Spirit to the light of day for investigation and for reflection. Yeah. yeah. Like that's not, you don't have to put those in two different separate categories. They can be part of the same discernment. Right. And that's what's so strange here is like that anybody that is like very astute in leadership at all would know that, sure. would like, would just assume that. And if I had my daughter come to me and say, um, you know, um, I'm going to marry this guy over here that you don't, you know, really know, but I really feel like he's my husband. And, and I say, well, can we Look, talk Dad, about it? Can I meet him? You know, can we work through Can we? He's an aspiring DJ. He's an aspiring DJ. <laughs> and, and then she said, well, no, because the Holy Spirit told me to do it. So you just have to sort of like either believe the Holy Spirit or not. I'd be going like, that doesn't sound like it has a lot of spiritual yeah. integrity. And me. one of the problems is that this, the person that hears from the Holy Spirit, they are now a prophet of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they might, Maybe more bunny ears were used. Oh, sorry. Just I keep hitting yeah. the mic. Um, or they might invoke the um, the idea of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit mm. because they hear from God, and if you disagree with Woe to you. what what the Holy Spirit's doing, uh, then then uh, which is happens to be the thing that I'm saying, then you could be committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They might they might say that directly, or probably most likely indirectly, or um, try to veil that, but. Yeah, they they become the holy. They be, the, they become the prophet that God is speaking through instead of how like you mentioned earlier, the vineyard kind of started as like, hey, everyone has yeah. the the Holy Spirit can work through all of us. Yes. So why wouldn't there be confirmation democratizing like, the Holy through, Spirit? Well, we Wimber used to say to every, everyone gets to play. That was yeah. one of his famous kind of watchwords. Was like there's a sense of inclusion and participation. That's kind of part of the vineyard culture. Yeah. In this case, it doesn't feel to me as an outsider, admittedly, I have not been into an Anaheim. I went to one vineyard Anaheim service when the Scots were there one time just to visit it. I have friends there. On a scale uh, of one to 10, how was your... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, you know, it was fine. It was a, a fine experience. But my point being is that... Four stars like, would buy again. Would you... Would, would, would any of us sort of be okay... Uh, if if we were on the receiving end of that kind of absolutist and sort of ironclad, like you're not allowed to really look at this with us, alongside yeah. of us, you have to just accept that we are doing this in the fear of the Lord, uh, clearly not in the fear of you, and so we have the we have kind of the green light. So bye bye. Yeah, I a quick anecdote for me on. on uh, using the Holy Spirit in vain, in my opinion. I say kind of in jest, Mm -hmm. small examples, but playing in worship over the years and just having some of the more Holy Mm Spirit-y bunny ears uh, types, the Bethel types that have Mm -hmm. been to Bethel school and come Mm -hmm. back and and been playing oftentimes. And it's usually the younger ones that, in my opinion, confuse the Holy Spirit with just a musical opinion. And it will be like, I I just feel like we need to let the Holy Spirit move Mm. And in my translation, in my head, it's like, oh, so just to play the song the way you want to be played, <laughs> because I don't have that opinion, but it's good that the Holy Spirit told you that, mm. so let's play it your way, mm. I guess. Yeah, and that is, that is, uh, that's an example of the, the point that I was trying to make, which I think is, we encounter times when people will intentionally or unintentionally use the Holy Spirit 
to try to make their point. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly unintentional. It, I'll take the high road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Oftentimes, except for cult leaders, oftentimes mm-hmm. it is. I've been in situations where I felt like looking it, at you, Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto <laughs> dude looks like white Jesus right now. What is he doing? <laughs> Sorry, I keep going, Andy. Oh, that's redundant. Oh wait. <laughs> uh, but and and that and that that is the point of like when when you are when someone claims to be hearing from the Holy spirit, um, that feels like that begins, that begins the conversation, especially if it's something that is so impactful to thousands of people that should start to open the conversation, not like, Hey, and here, and it is, it it should not be the period at the end of the sentence. Yeah. I like that. I like how you said that. It should be an invitation to a discernment and a dialogue and a reflection and a sense of, um, respectfully listening together. This is, I think, something that is being appreciated more and more by certain evangelicals, and especially by those that have come from a more, shall we say, Moses on the top of the mountain paradigm of church leadership. Like, that yeah. paradigm of le- church leadership is, I'm Moses, I'm going to go to the top of the mountain. I, when I get down, I'll tell you what God Just said. wait for it. Yeah. Just, it's going to be good, guys. Yeah, Trust me. And you're all going to have a place in it yep. when I tell you what it is. Yep. And Sorry, Janine. <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> so uh, so that's like one model. And it it's it's there because, you know, probably at some time in, in, in the course of things, it, yeah, it, 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 it solved some problems and met some needs. Uh, and, and And yet at the same time, I know that when we had our house church, our approach was, I was the pastor, but I, I saw myself as underneath the, the flock, saying, okay, flock, we'll all listen for what God is saying. And my job as the pastor is to help all of us co-discern it and identify it and activate on it. It's not my job to tell you what God is saying. It's your job as the flock to go to God and to and for me to help us have that conversation as the authority of okay what are we going to do so it's, you know it's some families run that way the it's, process of discerning the holy spirit and and maybe that's the that's the point that that's the the way that you described it right there it, mm-hmm. it is a process of discerning the holy spirit it is not simply i heard therefore i'm going to regurgitate mm-hmm. um there yeah there is a process there's there. a humility to it there's and, there's a willingness yeah Right? There's a willingness. And if you go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and the whole chapter of love there, uh, all of the, if you substitute the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, those first six or eight verses about the character, if you substitute good communication for love hmm. there and read through that passage, it really kind of clears a lot of oh, the Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's a fun little yeah. exercise. Yeah. Good communication is not proud. It is not boastful. Good communication, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It, it's, that's good. It's not regarding the, the Holy Spirit, but it ties back into how we're hit sometimes. Like we get punched in the face in our in our faith, or in, you know, this is a, a it's called e- getting punched in the faith. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's called exa- getting Chris rocked. <laughs> oh, so oh, oh, I like mine better. How, how long oh, were you waiting okay. in this podcast we, we for that to, to get to get, to get for that to get in? Okay, everybody has to take a drink. That's the name of tonight's <laughs> tonight's episode: is punched in the faith. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I second that. We, wait, is that Pliny? Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> so, Pliny the Elder. Recently, yes. we had, uh, actually, it was just this past week, we had a woman share a little story, and 
um, after so many years and everything. At, at seemed, the church you go to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and for the um, listener, theater of the mind. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just figure everybody lives in my world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about that as a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's what my wife said. Um, <laughs> I, uh, she said, uh, her husband just came up to her one day and just said, we're done. Oh, I'm leaving. Oh, and I'm, I mean, no. There oh was my no, gosh, you're right. I forgot about yes, that. There was it's no, ar- there was no argument. Mm-hmm. There was, there was never any like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not happy. I'm thinking of leaving. Right. Yeah. None of this. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it parallels this scenario where mm-hmm. you know these, this pastor and everybody. They're like, you know what? We're, mm-hmm. we're taking right. off and we're leaving, and we, we have no reasons. Uh, we're except you know the Holy Spirit. And I and was the fear of the Lord listening to another pastor this week. And he was talking about how there's just times that we just get mm-hmm. punched in the face and mm-hmm. we are knocked down mm-hmm. and it comes back to how do we, how do we respond? How do we uh, react or, or do we respond or react? And is there a difference? And how does a gigantic church react? Yeah. Especially with all the social media. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think another part of that, speaking of that, sort of the public side of it, is that one of the other stories that runs through this is that the national director made an invitation to the Scots to, mm-hmm. well, let's let's talk about what's going on with you yeah. and what yeah. any if anything you might need to like work through with us, and let's put it on the record. That way we can all look at it, and that was not acceptable. Right. It was turned down. So that... Again, any attempt to sort of let light into the process was sort of like um, repositioned behind this yeah. idea that, well, but God told us, so that's right. all we and, need to say. And I read that too, and I, and I think a few different versions of articles that I read had stated something like that, that the response to no was, I'm kind of reading between the lines a little bit on it, but it was like, we feel like we're going to be mm-hmm. legally backed into a corner yeah, if and, we do that. I mean, I can appreciate that. Like, I get that. But yeah, there, there again, there just might be a way. If if a way was looked for, there might be a way that yeah. could come out that that could make something a little bit more, uh, oh, less opaque and a little bit more clear to sure. come out of the, the of the dialogue. So hold on a second, yeah. because I wanted to I wanted somebody's response that I had found within an article. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, Wimber, mm-hmm. who is, do you know who Christy Wimber yes. is? That's his who, daughter-in-law. Okay. Yeah. So she... Um, that's the pastor of... The the founding the, pastor, John Wimber. Oh, oh that's right. Chris, Christy okay. is, I think, well, yeah, his, Mary, his daughter-in-law. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So she, there was a, uh, there was an article mm-hmm. that came out and um, in the... Was it the Roy's report? Yeah, Roy's report. Yeah. Okay. And so this is, uh, she had responded as kind of you did. We didn't kind of, you responded on, on social media Mm -hmm. and just a well thought out, genuine response, very sincere. And, uh, so this is her, uh, Instagram Mm -hmm. response. And Andy, I don't know how this is going to come out because we didn't. Let's uh, check the volume. Yeah. Yeah. You you hit it. And if you need to turn it, go for it. Feels like it needs to be louder. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that not playing? 
It's okay. We'll edit this out. This is a world-class podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and what you are hearing now is just how we do it, you know? Uh, don't exactly we'll know We'll definitely edit this work. out. It'll be clean. <laughs> Nobody will know. I was trying to get your attention so that we could cheers our Planning the Elders together. Oh, you might as well do that right now. We should, we should. Let's take this moment to talk a little bit about what we've been drinking. And, and I know we mentioned it up front, but let's talk about our reactions to it because I didn't get a chance to tell you how I felt about what you gave me. Zach. And I, I gave you the goods. And the listener should know, and Andy mentioned, that he grew up in Bakersfield. Hey guys, okay. And that was his favorite. Was that your, is, that, is that your favorite brewery, or is this your, just your favorite sour beer? That is my favorite sour beer. The, yeah, and that's the very first sour beer I've ever had. Super, okay. funk, super, super Funkadelic. I remember you came back from a river trip. Yeah. Um, and you were just, you had a crowler of Super Funkadelic, or maybe it was a growler. Uh, and you were beaming. Crowler. And uh, so this, they didn't actually have regular Super Funkadelic. They had cans. Where were you? I went to the, the brewery. You Really? They yeah. didn't have Super Funkadelic? They had on tap Super Funkadelic with jalapenos and apricots. And then they also had in cans Super Funkadelic mm. with apricots. Apricots. That one's good too. Um, so I, I could have missed it, but I looked on the board and the only Super Funkadelic was just with the jalapenos. That's like Anheuser Busch saying, "I'm sorry, we're out of Budweiser." Is that their flagship? That is uh, that's how they made their name. Oh, yeah, okay. the Anheuser. Anywho, it was a cool little spot, and the bushes. And uh, Andy, what are your thoughts of that? It's intense, and it is not like the super funkadelic I'm familiar with. It is. It's hot. I mean, it's spicy. It's peppery. It's, it's very peppery. It's very peppery. Defi- which they definitely Jeff, put. You are not going to like it. I you promise. You keep saying that, and then you're keeping it away from me. I know. I drink another it. one in I there. I drink it all. Uh, you can have some of it, and I guarantee. I feel like we should like record you reacting to it just to have some. Really? And go, yeah, you're not going to like it. If you, yeah. Why will I not like what in my past drinking? Because you're my friend, and I know you. <laughs> okay. If you don't well, drink yes, it all, so- it's sour. It's sour and peppery, and I feel like both of those things you won't like in a beer. Well, pepper I don't like too much in a wine, and sour I definitely don't like in a beer. Yeah, Put and both of those together, things. That's, you know. They cancel each other out. Maybe. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Actually, they no. meet in the radical it, middle. Or they, yeah, or they exactly. become multipliers of each other. You just other. kind of wish it, and it happens. Yeah, that might yeah. be. That actually might be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did have one of those on the couch last night, and uh, a pint of the jalapeno apricot super funkadelic and it, it was it's intense it took me much longer than my average beer sip to uh consume that pint but it, i did enjoy it it's just you got to take your time yes you need to know what you're getting into and i didn't and uh and i yeah. kept my reactions and then I, he rubbed his eyes i probably yeah. wouldn't even like it at all okay all right uh, jeff is ready with jeff, the audio. You got okay cool let's do right, this let's do this Remember here, just a quick check-in. You know, it's just much easier for me to do this because I can't keep up with all the DMs and the messages about uh, the Anaheim Vineyard taking the founding church out of the vineyard. So is it confusing? Absolutely. Is it heartbreaking? Absolutely. Am I surprised? Not at all. So listen, you know, the Scots are um, very intentional. So, you know, I love them. They're my brother and sister in Christ. But love and agreement are two totally different things. 
and um, they've been very intentional to come here and you know we were like can you just like maybe plant a church if you want to live on Orange County but they've been very intentional to have that church they've been very intentional what they're doing now and they have a plan in going forward and you're gonna find out some of that plan in the coming months and years and you know, my challenge to you is ask the Lord for some discernment kind of what's going on we need that not just for that church we need it for the church um, but also, my challenge to you is just to remind you that that's just a building. Like, it's heartbreaking on so many levels, but it is just a building. And John's been gone 25 years, and I know so many people have a hard time, you know, um, separating that. But he's been gone. And he would say, you know, I get back to loving, you know, people and taking care of your neighbor, feeding the poor, the things that really matter the most. Um, you know, that is that church is not a sign of what God's doing in the church. It is not a sign of what God is advancing in His kingdom. You know, God is much bigger than a church and uh, a couple people. And um, but you know, we got to we got to remember that actually humility goes a long way, and the ego is so powerful, and we need to be so careful because the thing is, is that um, if it's left unchecked, you know, it just do a lot of damage. And um, you know, but leaders don't just make plans like this um, or decisions like this. There's plans behind it, and one of the most loving things to do as a leader is to communicate, so there's no uncertainty or chaos. And that's what we're dealing with here. So, you know, get some discernment on it. And my final thing is focus in the right place. You know what's happening around the world. And I was listening to the, the worship of the Ukrainian vineyard yesterday, and I'm like, put your focus there. You know, the enemy uses the church to distract the church. Don't let him. And, uh, you know, focus in, in the things that matter the most. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we should be doing. So I'm heading off in, to the U.K., so I'm going to go lay by the pool for a few hours and just check out. And hopefully this <laughs> now, we had some technical difficulties there. So you didn't, Bill, you didn't hear the, all of it. Mm. One of the interesting things that mm -hmm. she said, though, that it, it it's it's confusing, it's disturbing. But then she said, but it's not surprising. Mm. And yeah, if I'm reading between the lines to piggyback, one of the things that came to mind towards the beginning is it's almost like, according to her, um, well, I'm, I am doing a little interpretation because she's not being super direct about what she thinks is going on. Mm -hmm. Although I, I did enjoy what she had to say. Um, there's almost a, a fear that they came on a couple years ago and they're basically with, with the intention of eventually taking all that property and and breaking off. And now, now she didn't say that, but is that a fear? And can they even do that? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, no, you can't because you're brought in under a board that invited you at their behest to serve under at their pleasure. So you you have to, you know, I, I'm not- But we got a new board now, guys. This well, is great. and I'm not prepared. I have zero insight into that whole mm -hmm. process. So I'm not prepared to ascribe to them some kind of a- a fiendish plot to do this from the beginning. I really don't. You're better don't. than me then. That could be, and I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I mean- We I all know it. I we don't. all know you're better than Zach. <laughs> uh, I'm older than Zach. But, uh, so anyway, but the, the long and the short of it is the, the part that she says where it's just a building and don't get too hung up on that and everything. Yeah, I, I get that. And John was very big on, uh, John Wimber was very big on, you know, uh, do the stuff, feed the poor, you know, do the gospel like that was absolutely his emphasis. And he, you know, he, he's any, he, but he was a very organized cat. Like he organized vineyard mm. music from ground up mm. and he organized a lot of other things. He had a crack team that he put together to 
things were well organized under his leadership uh, by and large. And so um, that building has fed thousands and tens of thousands of people for way more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, John's, uh, uh, the late John Wimber's wife, Carol, who's been remarried now is, is Carol Wimber Wong, uh, or Wang, she, uh, she uh, you know, still has been volunteering in that food ministry there. Mm. Uh, oh, you mean literally fed? Like literally, actual literally food. fed Physical the neighborhood food. for many, many years. Daily uh, actual bread. Daily actual bread. So in other words, yeah, you're, 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 it is just a building, but it, any church building, God willing, please, is a organizational hub for a lot of other yeah. things. A yeah. lot of stuff doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff Which doing. Which I, I really like that. Like, do the uh, less, stuff. Less talking like Jesus, although that's mm-hmm. good too. Mm-hmm. How about a little walking? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it is just a building, but it's also been like a, the, the the organizational hub of a lot, a lot of different kinds of ministry for the community and, and everything else. And so all of that is also being sort of taken along into this this development, and it's just, it's just very, very strange. And there, obviously, I don't know if you guys know what a gestalt is, uh, but a gestalt is the idea that human beings will fill in blanks with something. Um, I remember many years ago when in quick pause. Oh. Any of you ever been in a long distance relationship? That's oh, exactly what it is. Okay. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> Keep explaining it for Jeff. <laughs> well, years ago, Infinity, when they first started making cars, would run this commercial where you never saw an Infinity car. You saw the outline of a car, like a kind of. Oh, a yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Right. I remember and, this. Yes. And, and you saw scenery of the yeah. car going, through, but you never saw the car. And, and the idea, I guess, in the advertiser's mind is we want you to fill in with your mind what we're not showing you the about what, it, car. what an Infinity is, right? And and so a, a gestalt is this idea of we will fill in the blanks we, we will we will create a fill for yeah. those empty spaces, and I think that that's a good example of why we're having so many different sure uh, people kind of come online. I don't not necessarily literally online, but yeah, come into the conversation from all of these different assumptions and thoughts, and me included. Like I'm I don't know a lot yeah. of stuff, but. I'm telling you, the thing that we can see in spite of the missing pieces is a very odd way to do something that is so drastically dramatic and really uh, a big game changer to a many, 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 many people all over the world. I think yeah. what would be interesting if is the, I wonder if the vineyard, the other vineyard, um, if they're going to just, like maybe get a building and then go, Hey, Oh, sorry. I keep hitting your mic. Stand. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, if they go, Hey, uh, you know, send a pastor out there and go, yeah. Hey, uh, this is the new yeah, uh, vineyard I, of Anaheim. I mean, uh, if you want to stay vineyard, come see things like that. Before come across the street. My 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> and now the Scots uh, don't have a congregation. Yeah. Yeah. Come on uh, across to Melody land. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Here comes Melody land back from the dead. <laughs> Wouldn't that yeah. be something? I imagine Melody Land dropping the mic at that point. So everything is staying the same except yeah. the name well, is changing. Well, we don't know. Maybe we need to throw up those air quotes on staying the same. Uh, yeah. I know where I'm going this Sunday. 
Oh. You don't matter in this equation, though, <laughs> Jeff. But we'll, we'll get no, some reporting. Maybe, maybe. the Holy Spirit's yeah. leading him. <laughs> no, for the vineyard. Tr- maybe well, you can for talk whatever to Anaheim is. Right. I, the Anaheim They're church. still. As, You're not impacting them. Or are you? Are you going to be there? What are you talking about? They haven't technically left. I don't think it's... I don't think so. I mean, I think it takes a little longer. But it would be interesting, Jeff, if you do make that trip. I know you. You're a conversational, easygoing guy. You're easy to talk to. You could maybe have a little conversation with somebody that's uh, connected or involved and maybe do some... Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground reporting. Just, uh, Just tell them, hey... Bros, Bibles, and beer. <laughs> Top yeah. 5% of Christian podcasts in the world. So oh, we're like, just let them know. If you say Christian podcasts, we're way more than that. Oh, okay. Well, I like that. Well, the number yeah. one alliterative but podcast. Have they left or are they staying and they've just dropped the name? Or the pastors the, are I, is, Alan's, is Alan Scott, is he leaving or is he just, hey, we're dropping the name? We're, what's I'm, the difference? Oh, yeah. He's not, he's, you mean, is he physically like, Oh. Is he going to be pastoring yeah, in that building? Ostensibly, yes. Yes. Yeah. That that was the short the TLDR that I read was they took the ter- they took the building, they took the people. Mm. Right. So nothing has changed except vineyard connection is dropped. Mm-hmm. Which is a huge thing, <laughs> right? But it's nothing like if is, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa was like all of a sudden we're not a. That's Calvary. why it's like, I would want to go up and <laughs> yeah, go there on yeah. a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. like, what's the big deal? I'm like, well, what do you mean? What's the big no, deal? I, mean, I could actually say hi, Alan. I'm so and so. Nothing has changed. We're just divorced. <laughs> that's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and I've got the baby. Yeah, <laughs> and the and the house and the house and the car. And the yeah, car. but nobody has any information on. What has happened? Just trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told him. I think probably I think, people you know, that know. I, I think the honest truth is that, for if if my past experience is any indicator, um, over time the blanks will get filled. Sure, in, and yeah. more of the story will come out, and more of the you know it'll get. Yeah, the picture will get at least a little bit clearer. But right now it's pretty muddy. We can think of any number. There, there's a the. The Gestalt thing is is pretty fun. I, I'm blanking on the specific name of the cognitive bias that's involved, but it's similar to, you know, it, you can something happens in the world, and you don't have a lot of information, and so you feel in. That's how all confirmation the cons- bias c- conspiracy theories yeah. explode because you can create a logically coherent yeah. path to getting to what happened, right? And by making up, oh, this could have happened this way, then it leads to this and this and this. And all of those things could be wrong, but it has an internal logic, which has a big pull to yeah. to make it appealing to people. Oh, you, that's you, called the CNN Fox. Uh, well, when the, you begin, yes, looking, you begin looking for the I, things that will support the bias that you're, that you're feeling yes. drawn to. I think that the hearers, the listeners should know. Yes. That when Scott was late tonight to this oh. podcast, mm-hmm. the other guys said... Well, Scott's not here, and the other, and one of the other guys said, "Well, he's you know, you know." Right. And then the other guys like <laughs> nodded their head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I was left to fill in the blank, Scott, and I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what blanks did you fill in? All those details. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. There are times I when that. I just don't show up, so that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It, well, that was well, because you know that yeah. was the, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was left a little vague. On I the had message. your back, Scott. He so was okay. thanks over the, in that place. The Holy Spirit yeah. told him, and he doesn't need to explain. <laughs> he was it. responding. He was responding to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
yeah, that I feel like we could do a whole nother episode episode on Gestalt and, and how that impacts uh, the church. But maybe maybe we can kind of like head towards the landing the 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 landing uh, the totally uh, the runway totally the runway unsatisfying landing in that we don't have any actual <laughs> yeah. information of yeah. why okay. this is happening. What no, I, but it's what good. I think is helpful though is is to look at this and and the two things that stick out are to me are I would love us to connect to the idea of churches that go through transition and how and the discernment of the Holy Spirit and the communication with everybody that's important in in that whole process. And and part of what you'd mentioned, I think, Bill, in your post is you've been a part of several transitions. And I think you kind of shared that. It was implicit in some of the things that you've shared. You've been a part of a lot of transitions. So maybe, uh, maybe I think we've heard some ways that it's not been Mm -hmm. done so well. Mm -hmm. So if we flip the coin over and say, Mm -hmm. hey, so churches that are looking through transition because... If we do step back just for a second and and aren't so directly focused on Vineyard mm-hmm, of Anaheim, mm-hmm. it does feel like, for better or for worse, the the last two years did something to the general structure of Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can only speak to Western church evangelical, culture, cult- evangelical landscape, cult- culture, leadership, landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like let's just encompass it. It feels like all of a sudden some of those foundations got rattled, and I and I don't know if it's good or bad yet, but they got rattled. And it's like a near universal, like twenty to thirty percent decline in mm-hmm. attendance, mm-hmm. Uh, even outside of that. I think that's like a that is part of the thing. But but what it's I retracted. It what is no no? It's you're not <laughs> you're not wrong. I just mean the thing that I pointed to is is that there there is something functional in this in the structures of how churches are, have been operating that feels like they all got punched in the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Punched in the faith. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, and I'm curious about that when, when I look at that, cause Mars Hill is another mm-hmm. one that is like very much so in the public zeitgeist right now. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm very timely and and if you listen to it, it's a great podcast it's great like a lot, lot to good, learn oh a lot yes to learn for sure a lot to learn and we have i have personally good friends who are deeply connected in that story mentioned in that story and um and and so i i don't it feels that that story feels more salacious than mm. this one does, at least for what we know now. So far, <laughs> but uh, but with that, like with all of that kind of setup, Bill, I'm, I am kind of curious to get a little bit of your thoughts on. We're seeing something play out in real time that feels like could be done better. If you were if you were going to be coaching churches who may be right now feeling or or people who are going to churches, you you feel like some things are getting mm-hmm. shaken and moved and for better or for worse. How do you start walking through this kind of stuff? Really great question. Of course, there's different polities. Churches have different structures of leadership, and I, I have a good friend who's a Methodist uh, pastor and 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 a Methodist overseer and. Of course, in those churches, you're appointed, like you, yeah. you're you pulled out or you're put in according to an appointment. And so other churches, you know, the Presbyterian model where there's a presbytery that 
you know, makes these decisions. So, so different churches are set up to answer that question a little differently mm-hmm. according to their church polity. But in what we're talking about now, which is really more of ostensibly a congregational polity, in other words, sure. there ought to be, a, it, it is a less top heavy, at least in its uh, ideal state. No one dude or dame yes. has the controls. Has, 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 has their finger on the, on the button. Um, so I think chicks can be dudes now. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Not yeah. that that's a... I, yeah. I agree without comment. I agree. <laughs> so the, um, I think if I can kind of hold this kind of thing up against the bigger picture of the culture in general right now, I think that the whole notion of leadership and movement and change is really changing. And I think, for example, um, the popularity of uh, President Zelensky from this country that many Americans couldn't point to on a map only months ago, mm-hmm. and now he's being invited to speak on the Grammys, you know, last night. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that. I did. But it's like, this guy is everywhere in his t-shirt and his kind of you know, man on the street, his background is in television. Just a regular guy. Regular guy who happens to be the president of a country that's going up against a superpower right now. And you kind of go, that vision of leadership that he represents, I think, resonates with so many people because it feels so... Like when he was given the opportunity weeks ago to like get out of his Dodge while he could, mm-hmm. you know, he was being offered a, a ticket out of Kiev. He said, no. This is like, I'm staying here. I'm standing here. He had no guarantee that this was going to be an okay decision for him. And so I'm not trying to make him into a superhero. I'm just trying to say the way that people have sort of moved toward that and said, that's what a president should be like. Yeah. You know, a leader should be like selfless. And this whole conversation that started years ago about the level five leader, the servant leader, even in the business world, like... After the, after some of the big superstar business leaders of days gone by, they saw they saw these companies that were really thriving and, and, and saying, "What is it? Oh, these guys are like servants. They're like, mm. they're 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 humble. They're strong. They're they have vision. They have fire, but they're very like um, approachable, and they are they 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 interact with people very in a servant. We're here to serve." And I think that this kind of thing, the Marshall thing, like all these other things that we're hearing about is like, especially in the younger generation, like going, people are going, I want leadership, but I don't want dictatorship. I don't like this idea of somebody gets to just sort of like pound the the pulpit or pound the Mm. podium and go, hey, I'm the leader around here, people. And so- Dwight Schrute made a compelling speech in the office once. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, when he took over what, for like a month. Was it like Marx? Like like, like a bunch of quotes from he, Stalin I, or something? Holy smoke! Yeah. So the point is, I think this. I think this conversation, things like this, are moving that conversation. People are going, whether they think the Holy Spirit spoke or not. That's kind of like that's not good leadership. Like that's not the kind of leadership that draws confident. Mm. Uh, from you know, it's not healthy, mm. and I think one of the things I I I do a lot of coaching with pastors. I do a lot of counseling with pastors and so forth. And the big conversation we always start having very quickly into this is 
church health, mm. leadership health. How healthy is the leadership? How healthy is the is is the is the is the pastor or the you know the 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 structures in the congregation? Like like how? Where's the health factor here? Right, and you define the health in a lot of different ways. I'm sure. Well, really, toward human well being. At the end of the day, the church exists for God and His mm. mission. Yes, but right after that the church should promote and produce human well-being. Yeah, and as a, a part of that, like the uh, the board thing is super important. If you're going to a church, know what the board structure mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. If the pa- pastor answers to no one, that's going to be a problem. Or answers in sort of in... Uh, well, in this it, case... It, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like uh, what I was thinking with this particular board... Without knowing the people, it, when the pastor's replacing people and it's filled with multiple couples and hand-picked individuals, you know, I don't know what the intentions are with this particular case, but that's a red flag in my mind of like, okay, are we creating yes people? Does the pastor answer to anybody that can tell him no and I mean, he has to listen? If, if we listen to the Mars Hill story, like there is a lot of that kind of shall we say padding the situation with people who Staff will not deck. who will not resist your mm-hmm. kind of worst impulses right and it's checking the box of no i'm accountable to the board i, got, I can tell box. you their names i know exactly right. who i'm accountable to but just, very often like families being together it's like uh, it just feels like i if i was going to that church and i saw multiple couples on the board and uh it it just would be a red flag and it's if you go to church like abuse happens because there, it's often well-intentioned people making compromises, and and before you know it, it's death by a thousand cut cuts. And there was never one moment where you were like, "Oh, it's going wrong now. We need to we need to change course now." But it's millions of little compromises mm-hmm. because you know and love people, and you assume the best of people, mm-hmm. uh, and you just have to be on guard for that because I I just hate. To you know, we've said or I've said it before, and we've we've talked about it before. Like taking God's name in vain isn't just saying God yeah, damn. It's yeah, yeah. it's more when a church abuse happens, um, and you're doing stuff in the name of God, and that's wrong. So, not saying that is going on in this particular case, but there's potential for that in in any and, scenario. And, and if we know that, if we know human nature, even among the best of us. And if we know that even goodwill and good intentions can sometimes get steered by impulses that are not altogether full of integrity or or, or holiness or, yeah. or light, then then we should make some accommodations for that in our structuring and in our communicating, because that a pound of you know an ounce of that eliminates pounds of mm-hmm. other stuff later. Yeah, that's so good. Should we? Uh... Well, hey, thank you for not. Uh, hey, all, all of your all the stuff you added, you didn't throw it about willy nilly. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you, you did, did it again. Or maybe, maybe you did. did uh, you did it again. You did it. Bill, you, 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 well, whatever you, you he does can, is. It's only never Billy. coming back here. It's I, only I willy. Don't yeah. like you people. You can only do it willy nilly. <laughs> we're gonna. We're Wait, what do out. you mean, you people? We'll definitely. I appreciate you, but I thought your beer was very good. Okay, well, I didn't make it, but I should have brought something I made. You should have brought something. I got stuff I made too, and it's dark. Oh, dang it. Next time uh, we gotta do a next part. time when more stuff is we'll bring illuminated. Christopher over too. 
Yeah, um, oh, that'd be there's fun. more informa- information um, coming well, out. And then Lola. also with going back to the, and I, I just is this is just to preface the next time you're on, but oh yeah, the religious aspect of the Russian invasion of Ukraine oh, yeah. with the different oh, there's a whole story there Russian Ooh. Orthodox versus what the Ukrainians have been doing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I don't Ooh. I don't understand it, but I know there's something big there. Mm-hmm. It's not just about territory. There's it, a religious it's definitely component. more than meets the eye. I dare say, like whatever you're hearing in the corporate press, there's truth in there, but there's also a narrative. There's so much more going on, and that'd be interesting, mm-hmm. Scott. Yep, I like that. So should we? Uh, well, there, there, there's a lot of, you know, knowing glances, knowing glances, wink, 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 nudge, nudge. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's do. What are you consuming? I like it. And uh, can we start with Scott? We, oh, we usually yeah. talk uh, about, just so Bill knows. I will allow it. Oh, we we talk will. about what are you consuming is, it could be mm. a podcast you're mm. digging, a book, a movie, a TV show, anything. A like video game? Super, yeah, yeah vi- we've talked about video games. Anything s- super profound or simple surfacy, doing for fun, what's capturing you? And we'll, we'll start with Scott. Scott, what's capturing you? Uh, I... Um, I binged uh, Lord of the Rings, all well, the Hobbit series too, all six of them. Ooh. So that's about fifty hours worth of uh, of content there. That how uh, do you feel about the phrase "never trust an elf"? Oh man, man, some of them, or never. Some toss of them I want to trust. You know, <laughs> never toss uh, a dwarf. Um, yeah, yeah. They threw that. That <laughs> toss me. <laughs> they threw that joke in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, worth, that's um, worth two points. But it was good. It was uh, it was good. I I forgot that I had seen all of them. But then, uh, is this the extended version or no, regular? No regular, regular. Because I saw it, I was at Walmart and I was like, oh, 20 bucks for all six of them. Holy Let's smart. do that. Yeah, I don't want to sign up for anything. Wait, all six. Oh, so included the Hobbit, the three Hobbits, and the three oh. Lord of the Rings. Did they fix the? Because uh, I remember that one of the biggest problems with the Hobbit was the frame rate. They'd filmed it at forty eight. Andy, you know, I'm just, I'm in it for the story, yeah. you know? I heard you it was know. so distracting. That's like the- uh, When I saw it in the theater, yeah, the soap opera effect, like it's just weird. It's oh, horrible. okay, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? No, I didn't notice that. Okay. Then yeah. they probably knocked it down to 24. That's the cinematic frame rate. Yeah, I'm watching it on a, you know some a good timeless metaphors in there. He, wa- he watched the whole thing on his iPhone. So. He watched the whole thing. Yeah. In, <laughs> he watched the whole thing in Walmart actually. <laughs> uh, so I sat there at Walmart for fifty hours. Three, it's open three, four hours. Days. They paid me uh, fifteen dollars an hour to watch. Uh, they got uh, rings. They got McDonald's in there too. Every once in a while, I had to point to where the toilet paper Turns was. Out, <laughs> no, they didn't kick him out. They know Scott. He's been living in the parking lot for the last two years. <laughs> You gotta go Poor back Scott. to your home. They're all the picking on you, starting with me today. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's gotten out of control. You've been listening right. to our that, uh, the previous episode. So oh. mine's not wildly far off from yours. So I, I've been enjoying a couple of weeks off here to the point that my neighbor across the street asked me. He's like, "Dude, did you retire?" <laughs> <laughs> As I'm in between, uh, I left Amazon two weeks ago, and starting next week, I will start at Google, and. Uh, but I dove into uh, Skyrim VR. I restarted it, mm-hmm. and and that's what my uh, little comment was at the beginning. Mm. These dragons aren't going to kill themselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no. so 
I'm generating followers. I've got so much gold. I'm carrying lots of weapons and uh, I'm ready to finally take over whatever the the land of Skyrim has for me. God, I wish you the best. I assure you put that on your Google resume. I let them know. Yeah. Yeah, early. By yeah. the way, guys, I'm yeah. coming in hot. <laughs> That's it. I've got lots of content for you. <laughs> I dabble in the fantasy. Jeff? Oh, wow. I thought you were going to mention I'm going to close this out. Okay. Um, my wife and I watched The Tourist. It's a six-episode, uh, six I think it was Netflix. She said a friend told her, and we got to binge it, and so we did this week. Hmm. And, yeah, it was okay. And then the other thing is I've been watching uh, or listening to, um, it's been a long time, but I've been binging Matt Chandler, the Village Church in Texas. Hmm. Um, just really, We should look into his board. Yeah. Because that's a powerful individual. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. He's, 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 he's you know. problematic he's probably you know I know now it's been enlightening and invigorating and it's got my juices flowing Mm. so that is good that's awesome and well, Zach. Well, no. Well, are we going? No, we. No, he we said got he was going to be. He said he was going to well, be last. Right. He's yeah. going yeah. to go last. I don't know what that's about. Why do you have to go last? Get the uh, last I word. Got, I got what is that all about? I He's probably going to say something theologically controversial. And then everybody will want to. Like, no, we were out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna you got to listen up. next time. I'm going to open up a wormhole that Scott <laughs> yeah. wants to debate with, and he can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, a couple things. Um, I, I love stuff about cults. Uh, I, I, I like the psych, I like learning about the psychology of cults oh, and nice. not so much the theology of cults, but right. the psychology of cults. And I watched a whole series that was, um, my, my, uh, one of my sons, uh, let me watch on his HBO thing, a, a whole series on Gwen Shamblin and this church in the Nashville area. She was famous for this Christian weight loss thing. And then it just turned into this whole cult thing. And and she and her new husband died in a plane crash. And it's oh, does like, she have the hair? Yes, she has the hair. Christian okay. weight loss. Yeah, it's she, in the name. That she is has a cult. the hair. <laughs> it's, it was a fascinating little series. That's on, her. on my list. Yeah, wow. and I binged it. I think it's called okay. The Way Down. Get it? Like yeah. way down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I so, thought because she crashed in a plane. Well, that too. So anyway, so that was really, that was really worthwhile. I, I I got a lot out of that. And then um, I also watched Chernobyl on that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have HBO. seen that in the HBO, but that was powerfully. That's, that's hot. I, I <laughs> nice. Wow, oh, that's so good. Wow, that'll make your skin like, crawl. No. Too you know, soon, like, yes. guys. Too soon. No, uh, yeah. So having lived through all that, I just there was a lot I didn't understand about what was going on, and mm. then to have it be taken over just weeks ago by the Russians, right? You know, it's it's a hot topic. And, ah. and, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And the the cult thing, there's carryover to the Chernobyl. I I did see that though it was a long time ago. Um, but there were some decisions made kind mm-hmm. of based on authoritative structures where there were people that wanted to do right, different things, but right, they couldn't because right. of authority. That's true. That would have changed the whole direction mm-hmm. of the Chernobyl accident. Yeah, that's very true. Wait, so. does the way down in Chernobyl, that kind of goes together, the way down yeah, well, yeah. You work on that. Work on that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah there's something there. Develop burning that. a hole in the earth. Yeah, we're the focus group. And the last thing I have to say is I got to play, I had a lifelong dream come true, a very small little theater in Costa Mesa. 
I auditioned and was given the role of Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof Jr., a thing I've always wanted to do my whole life, and I got to do it in February, and I had the time of my life doing Mm. that. So now I'm coming back as King Maximilian in the Cinderella musical. Dude. So my acting career is launching late. Wow. But wow. It's, I've gone from milkman to king in one leap. <laughs> you so, know what? Wow. And you can point back to this podcast. We I, knew you when. Yes. We got you early. Yes. Which means we'll secure you before you become. Yeah. That's right. Now you have to come back on even when you're hoity and toity. That's, that's, <laughs> or, you know, a little nilly. And a little willy. <laughs> Less willy, more nilly. Now, did you you said Vanilli. that you said that if your daughter came to you and yeah. was going to marry someone, does that mean your daughter's single? Single? No, she's oh. married. She got married in June. Sorry, All right. I was going to say I know somebody, but it's yeah, okay. It's a friend. Yeah, of yours. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Zach, a friend. Mm-hmm. Bunny years. Okay, yeah. Zach. Well, we we had the passing of a legend, uh, Taylor Hawkins, oh, uh, from the sad. Foo Fighters, and. Uh, it's it's led to some pretty sweet bonding moments um, between my kids and my wife and I. Just we've been binging Foo Fighters, looking up their old videos because they were back when music videos were more of a mainstay. They were just legendary with their their comedy and their videos, and uh, it's just led us through a bunch of. Well, I just say I love music, uh, most genres. Uh, but I love me some rock and roll and the Foo Fighters have been good for so long. Like they don't have duds. It's hard to find a, a, a miss. Yeah. We've been so solid for so long. And Taylor Hawkins, a legendary drummer. Um, it led us to le- listening to Atlantis Morissette. Now my daughter keeps requesting ironic, which has backfired on me. Cause I'm like, I don't want to listen to ironic anymore. Which is because ironic. Taylor Hawkins was the drummer for yes. Alanis Morissette before he came to the Foo Fighters. So we were looking up old videos of him playing drums for Alanis Morissette and then talking about how Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. It's an ironic. Ah, oh, man. But you it's been always the drummer. Don't you think? Always the drummer, mm-hmm. man. It all comes back to the drummer. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I know that, man, the, the family of, of Taylor and, and including all the members of the Foo Fighters, it's like, I'm sure they're dealing with a lot of uh, emotions including guilt and trying to help people you know maybe looking back and how they might have missed where they could have helped him out uh, and that's just it's hitting me in all the feels I'm a sucker for nostalgia mm. um, and then the, the Grammys we didn't talk about the Grammys that much but they did a, a little retrospective about him and I may have gotten a little a little misty but emotionally interrupted yeah mm. but uh that's what that's what I was consuming in addition to other things, including video games and whatnot. But uh, anyways, should we? Uh, did you have something you want to play, or we're we just gonna roll? I with was this? starting to, but then, but that's good. Yeah, I, I forgot. I, I did write and record a full song. Oh, <laughs> on the next. I was gonna stick on the next. On the we'll next, save it Bros for the future. Bible. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, Bros Babbles beer on all the socials. Uh, so you can email Scott if you're a, a woman looking mm-hmm. for a man <laughs> yeah. struggling to find the truth. Scott at brosbiblesbeer.com. And you yeah. have accurate, uh, you have accurate evangelical theology. <laughs> yeah, better. He does yeah. the best he can. Yeah. For the lady, though. Oh, yeah. Yes. If you have. Oh, it's totally <laughs> accurate. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's where you can, yeah. Uh, the last two things. Leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash pod. There's a button there that says message. I think you just do that. You click on that and you can leave us a voicemail. We will play it 
and we won't even listen to it before we play it on, no what? It on the episode. Yeah. We'll play it blindly. If it has we'll my ju- name in it, I'm suing you. <laughs> uh, email brosbiblesbeer at gmail.com and uh, tell one friend. Tell a friend. Just tell one friend this week. Send them a link to the episode nice. or to the podcast if you liked it. Yeah. And uh, thanks again, Bill. Thanks for Appreciate having you. me. Yeah. It's good Thank fun. You, I'm sure yep. you'll be back. Thanks for being on. Yes. I'll just say for Scott, Jeff, and Andy, I have been Zach, and uh, thanks for listening. Grace, peace, cheers, Jeff. Grace, peace, cheers. So is the hit...